Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. The title of my message today is The Watermark of God. The Watermark of God. If you, if you took a $100 bill and you were trying to pay for some groceries or, you know, buy gas or whatever with a $100 bill, you'll notice that what they do is they'll open a drawer and they'll pull out a little light and they'll just kind of hold it up and it's a little ultraviolet light because it looks to detect a watermark of authenticity to make sure it's not a counterfeit $100 bill, but it's a legitimate $100 bill. It has a watermark of legitimacy. I want you to know that uh, I've been walking with God for almost 37 years. And if I look back at my life, I can see the absolutely undeniable, absolutely indistinguishable watermark of the evidence of God. This is important because when Adam and Eve sinned in Genesis 3, the Bible says they, they, they sewed fig leaves together and they hid when they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. It doesn't say when they saw God, they hid. It says when they heard. So the Bible talks about God being invisible to the human eye, but he is, he is, they could hear the sound of the Lord God as He walked in the garden. So we preach to you about an invisible God, but just because He's invisible doesn't mean He's not tangible or real. So today, the title of my message is The Watermark of God because I want to show you how God is not only real, but powerful and absolutely distinguishable in all the crazy and all the storms, in, in all the storms of life. So let me just say this. Wednesday night, I preached a powerful message at San Marcos called uh, Storm Sight. It is worth downloading, it's worth listening to how in every single storm, God is riding on the storm. His name is unfailing. He's riding on the storm. So most people see the storms. We want to raise up pastors and leaders. We want to raise up people in our church, ministers of the gospel, that can see God in the storm. They have storm sight. They have storm sight. In times of uncertainty, in times of calamity, in times of distress, in times of confusion, in times where, where people are anxious, you will find that the Spirit of God, that's when He raises up the prophetic voice. Every time you see a prophet come in the Bible, it is always preceded by times of chaos, by times of unrest, by times of wickedness. And then God raises up prophets. Why does He raise up prophets? Because God is a great shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. God is a good shepherd. And He sees that His people are anxious and nervous. And so he raises up prophets to speak to them. Hey, God's got you. It's going to work out. It's okay. He's still seated on the throne. He's riding on the storm. His name is unshaken. His name is unfailing. He's a good God. So that was that message. So Genesis 1, when you, when you look for anything, go to the law first mentions Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, verse 2. And the earth was formless and void. 
or without form and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. This is really important, that, that God wasn't kind of, you know, traveling through the universe looking for something that had, you know, something positive. It's formless, void, darkness. The Hebrew for formless and void is the word tohu and bohu, which means chaos and disorder. So, so the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God is, is hovering over the face of the waters. So we've got chaos, disorder, darkness, and the Spirit of God hovering. I, I want you to know that one of, one of the great watermarks of God is how He turns chaos, disorder, and darkness into order, into function, into light. In fact, can I tell you, God of all the ways to introduce Himself, introduces Himself in Scripture as the God that is not, not repelled by chaos and disorder, but he'll, you'll find Him hovering in chaos and disorder, just waiting for the Word of God to be released so that He can begin to transform chaos, disorder, and darkness into light, into order, into function, into beauty, into tranquility, into peace, into power, into amazing, into take your breath away. My life, January 1986, when I gave my life to Jesus, my life reflected chaos, disorder and darkness. But I didn't realize the Spirit of God was hovering over my life. And then when the Word of God came out and I received the Word of God, light came into my life and then order become and then function became and I am who I am today because of God's Word and God's Spirit. Can somebody say amen? So in, in the Gospel of Luke chapter one, there's a beautiful story of Mary and the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and he says to Mary, blessed are you, highly favoured one, God's chosen you, you're gonna get pregnant and you're gonna bring forth a son, you're gonna call his name Jesus. Oh, he's gonna be great. He's gonna be known as the son of the highest and God's gonna give him the throne of, of Jacob and you know there'll be no end to his kingdom. And she's like, well, <laughs> I think you got the wrong address. I'm not even married. You might want to go Susie, Susie next door. She's married. They've been, and he's like, no, 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 no. It's, I know you're a virgin. God doesn't need a man. The Holy Spirit, the power of the highest will overshadow you so that that which is conceived in you will be called the son of the highest. The angel Gabriel declared the word, but it was the Holy Spirit that activated the word. So point number one is the Word is activated by the Spirit. When we came to San Diego, it was very interesting. Uh, there was a number of things they told us not to do if we were going to plan a church. I preached a message a couple of weeks ago at um, Eastlake, or maybe it was last week, I don't know. I can't remember, I've lost track. But anyway, there's a message on, on our Awaken app that's worth downloading uh, or listening to, and it's called Break the Echo. Break the Echo. And the, the genesis of that story was when the children of Israel, God said to them, right, I'm about to take you into the promised land. You're, you're about to cross the Jordan, enter the promised land. When you get in there, don't think that I'm giving you this land because you're so good. Don't think I'm giving you the land because you are so awesome. That's not it. He says, I'm giving you this land because it's current occupants, it's pre present inhabitants have defiled the land 
with their idolatry, with their murder, with their bloodshed. So the land is vomiting them out. He says, and even though I'm going to drive out the Hivites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Jebusites, the Mozibites, all the other ites, even though I'm driving them out, he says, he literally says, I don't want you to worship the same gods and worship the same idols, which is interesting because if all of those people are out, why would they do that? It's because the echo, it's because the demonic forces were still there whispering and seducing them. So he says, be careful not to worship the same gods. Be careful not to worship the same idols, the same demons, lest you observe their practices and then the same fate that happened to them take, happen to you. And if you study the Bible, which is what we encourage here, you'll find that that's exactly what they did. They set up altars to Baal and to Asherah and to Ishtar and to all these uh, demon gods and then they defiled the land and passed their sons and daughters to Moloch through the fire and to Chemosh and they worshipped the gods of the nations and then they were driven out of the land. The land vomited them up just as they did. So when we came to San Diego, it was very interesting that they said to me, hey, hey, uh, welcome to San Diego. By the way, if you want to build a big church, uh, we've looked you up online. Don't do the Holy Ghost thing. Don't do the Holy Ghost thing. So, so it was very interesting to me. I didn't realise at the time it was the principalities and powers, it was the demonic spirits seeing that God was sending someone who could possibly be a disruptor. So, so they, they wanted to make sure that I was just going to follow the echo. But we were here not to follow the echo, we were here to break the echo. But they wanted, they wanted us to genuflect. But we weren't here to genuflect because let me tell you, the, the, the Word without the Holy Ghost... Gabriel gave Mary the Word, but she didn't get pregnant just from the Word going forth. The Holy Spirit had to come. and The Holy Spirit is what activates the Word. We want you to, to, to not just hear the Word, but we want to create an atmosphere. The reason we sing songs is not because we need to fill in time to the preaching. The reason we do praise and worship is because God inhabits the praises of His people. We, we, we want God's presence. We want God's Spirit to move because God's Spirit, His anointing, the, the presence of God will activate the Word of God to bring it to pass in your life. Everything God does, He does by His Spirit. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So the, the Bible says that the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. Why was He hovering? He was just waiting for the Word. So He could act. And then God said and bam, there was light. And then God said, and the Holy Ghost said, yes, sir. And then God said, and it was so. And God said, and it was so. God said, the Holy Spirit is God's activating power to bring the Word of God to pass. We want a Holy Ghost church. It was amazing. The first move of God that we had, I lost two thirds of my worship team. I lost my children's worker. We, we, had all the, we had a mutiny on our hands just because we had a move of God. I remember that week in the staff meeting, it was a little bit lean. And uh, I remember, you know, Pastor Andrew was our worship director. And he said, well, Pastor Jürgen, are we going to back off from the Holy Ghost? I said, uh-uh, we're going to double down. He's like, well, we just lost a whole, you know, half of our church. I said, exactly. Let's do it again so we know who's really with us. We had people, we had people literally, they said, hey, 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 don't do this, don't do this. We don't mind coming to church. We just don't want to meet God. I'm like, I don't know how to do church without God. Listen, I got saved on a beach. I got filled with, with, the, with the Holy Ghost 
on a mountaintop on the 2nd of January, 1989, started speaking in languages I never learned. Then a few weeks later, I got demons cast out. I mean, I was a Christian for three years. Didn't know that, that, that these things were living in there, but they were. And then all of a sudden I got delivered and then I got healed. And then I saw my friends get delivered and I saw the power of God come upon them. And then they sent me to San Diego and everyone started, hey, whatever you do, don't do, don't do for them what God did to you. I'm like, how can I rob? People walk in tormented and vexed and grieved and oppressed. And I'm meant to just back off from that stuff because, oh, I, I don't want to upset the apple cart. I want to have a nice little congregation on a Sunday, give them a nice little little homily, a nice little sermonette so they can check the box of being a church so that I can have like a comfortable life. I didn't come here for a comfortable life. I came here to upset the prince. I came here to disrupt. I came here to break the echo. <clears throat> God, God breathes into Adam the breath of life and Adam becomes a living being. God says to Ezekiel, Ezekiel, and he picks him up and he takes him into a valley. And he says to Ezekiel, son of man, can these bones live? And Ezekiel, the Bible says, when he was set down by God in the valley, he looked to his left and looked to his right. It was just full of bones, full of skeletons. And he's reminded of, of Israel's history where because they turned to idolatry, their, their armies were, were no match for the Babylonian armies that came against them, that carried him off captive. And now God has sat him in this reminder of the past, of their failures. And the Spirit of God comes to Ezekiel and says, Son of man, can these bones live? He's surrounded by death. The Middle Eastern sun has bleached these bones. They're, they're not just dead bones, but the Bible says it was a valley of dry bones. But Ezekiel doesn't want to tell God impossible. So he says, oh Lord, you know, which is always a good answer. <laughs> oh Lord, you know. I like that, son of man, can these bones live? Do you know my biggest battle every week, Sterling's probably gonna surprise you, my biggest battle every week is not to smoke a joint. That's not it. Now it's not that I do smoke joints, I'm just telling you, it's not a battle. My biggest battle is, it isn't to, to, to you know, drink too much, to get drunk. My, my biggest battle isn't to, to not snort something or to, you know, run off with another woman. That's not my biggest battle. My biggest battle, my biggest battle always from God is, can I believe? I'm telling you, number one, like I'm, sometimes I feel like he's picking on me. Like for three years, Pastor Andre, 10 million was, was what God had put in my spirit for vision builders. And, uh, and the burden of vision, the burden of vision is disappointment. That's the burden. It's much easier to not have vision than you have to deal with disappointment. Just lower the bar and you're not disappointed. But every year, I, you know, I'm believing for this. And then beautiful Pastor Summer, wherever she is, she'll, she'll tell you, she'll attest to it that she's like, oh, no, don't, you know, because that would get me, oh, Pastor Jurgen, you know, you want to do the toast, yay. And I'm like, depressed. And I'm like, why are you upset? I'm like, because I'm carrying a different number. I'm carrying, I'm carrying a, a belief because, you know, I know. So, so God comes to Ezekiel and He says to Ezekiel, can these bones live? May I just say to you that th this is not unique to Ezekiel. That, that the unlocking of your future requires the courage to face disappointment 
to believe God what can seem ridiculous, to believe God what can only be described as miraculous, to believe God what can only be described as impossible. Impossible is not a word in God's vocabulary. In fact, you know how they say that God can do everything? The Bible says that, the, the, the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says that nothing will be impossible with God. So that means that, that impossible, the only thing that's impossible for God is nothing. Nothing will be impossible for God. So God can't do nothing. The one thing that's impossible for God, everything else is possible. Well, you know, I've got, I've got a terminal illness. Good news. Nothing will be impossible with God. You know, you don't have to do that on your own because God can't do nothing. Nothing is the only thing the Bible records as impossible with God. Well, you don't understand. I'm about to get evicted from my... Good news. Nothing will be impossible for God. What God is looking for is believers. In the Bible, we call ourselves Christians, but both times that they were called Christians was derogatory. All the way through the New Testament, we're called believers. God is a promise-making God. He's a promise-keeping God, but He's looking for a promise-believing people. The, the biggest challenge in my life is to keep believing, keep believing. When we landed here, God didn't let me off the hook. He didn't say one campus, He said four. I'm like, dear God. And then when we got to four, He says, all right, I've just multiplied it to 16. I'm like, God, this isn't, why are you picking on me? And uh, But I, I actually don't mind being picked on because it's awesome. This thing's an adventure. I'm living so far above my pay grade is not funny. God is looking for believing. You, you, you have to believe your way forward. Did you know that? You have what you believe God for. Don't, don't let the devil, that's why the devil attacks faith. That's why he attacks the Word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. You better believe we preach the Word of God, but then we, we want to create an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit can move because when the Holy Spirit and the Word come together, the Holy Spirit activates the Word of God and you begin to step into the impossible. Our job is to bring you into the impossible. So, so Ezekiel starts prophesying to, to the bones and the Bible says the bones began to rattle. But rattle's not living, rattle's not life, but the bones began to rattle. You'll notice that the preaching of the Word, your faith begins to stir, your faith begins to rattle. Man, Pastor, when you prayed, I felt something. It's a rattling. But even more than that, then, then the Word of the Lord comes to him a second time, says, all right, Ezekiel, time to go up another level. Time to unleash the big guns. I want you to prophesy to the wind. Prophesy to the breath of heaven. Say to the breath of heaven, breath of heaven, breathe on these dry bones, breathe. He says, and as I prophesy, the, the wind of God, the breath of God, breathe over that valley. And now the bones, instead of rattling, the bones began to assemble. The structure came. And not only the structure of a skeleton came, but flesh, muscle, sinews, ligaments began to come. And then they stood up, an exceedingly great army. And then God was telling Ezekiel, you may be in Babylon and it may be a 70 year captivity. But let me tell you, what may seem dead, what may seem hopeless, it may seem like you're never going back. The time is gonna come. I will raise up an army. I can raise them up even out of the desert, even out of the death, even out of a famine and I can raise them up and you're going to go back to the land of which I promised your forefathers. God, the Holy Spirit activates the Word. Another thing, point number two, is the anointing is His presence and power. You, you, if you're not familiar with the word anointing, you need to get familiar with it. So the word Christ in Jesus Christ the word Christ is the Greek word uh, Christos, and it means anointed one. 
So Jesus was, they said, Jesus the Christ, Jesus the anointed one. As Christians, you are the anointed ones. So the anointing, the anointing is God's presence. It's God's stamp. In, in the Old Testament, they would, they would anoint priests and they would anoint kings. The, the anointing in the Hebrew means to smear or to mark. In James 5.14, it says, If anyone among you is sick, let him call for the elders of the church who will come and anoint him with oil and pray over him. And the prayer of faith will, not might, not could, the prayer of faith will save the sick. Now, I've heard terrible preaching, terrible theology, where they say, well, the anointing is, you know, you know, use medicine and pray. But it doesn't say use medicine. James was smart enough to say use medicine. They had medicine back then. He didn't say use medicine. He said anoint with oil. Because when you anoint with oil, to anoint with oil, you've been deputized and authoritized. To anoint with oil, to anoint with oil is to decree something is no longer common but holy. Heaven is holy. There's no blind in heaven. There's no lame in heaven. There's no wheelchairs in heaven. There's no tumors in heaven. There's no lepers in heaven. There's no cancers in heaven. There's no death in heaven. Heaven is a place of perfection. It is holy. When, when we anoint with oil, you need to understand it's, it's, it's an act of warfare. We are saying whatever sickness, whatever disease, whatever grip the devil's got over their life, when we anoint them with oil, we are saying they are no longer common. They are now holy unto the Lord. And anything that is of uh, that is unholy, anything that is of corruption, of sin, of transgression and iniquity, time's up. Get the jack out. Get out of this body. Get th That's why we anoint with oil. But if you don't know that, you don't realise the authority. It's, it's, it's an engagement. So I say all of that, that to say this, that in, in Mark chapter 1, there's a story where, where Jesus uh, goes into the temple. Now, He's just been baptised by John, his, his, his cousin, cousin John, in the Jordan, and the Spirit of God comes upon him, and he's now anointed. So he goes from being 30 years known as the carpenter's son to all of a sudden now he's baptised, and the Spirit of God comes on him. It says, they went into, into Capernaum, immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and began to teach. This is Mark 1, 21, verse 22. And they were astonished at Jesus' teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not like the scribes. Now there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit. There was a man in church with an unclean spirit. And the Bible says that the unclean spirit cried out saying, let us alone. What are we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are. Na, 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 na. You're the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed the man and cried out with a loud voice, it came out of him. Then they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves, saying, what is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority, he commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. How did the demon recognize that this wasn't the carpenter's son? How did the demon recognize that this was the Christ, the son of God? How? By what he carried, by what he brought. See, 
All the people in the synagogue were looking at Jesus' 30 years of history. They may even been looking at his clothing. Oh that's, oh, that's Joseph's kid. That's the carpenter's son. But the demon recognized he carried something. Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. Let, let, me, just, let me just say this, that, that uh, Jesus came to, to bring the kingdom. He was carrying the kingdom. To establish the kingdom, he had to drive out that which opposed the kingdom. He had to drive out evil. Evil didn't leave. Evil didn't just say, oh, you're here. You know what? Let me, give me a moment. Just going to pat my bags. Jesus had to cast the demon out. Probably one of the saddest things for me is that the church, for whatever reason, in our wokeness over the last decade or two, have stepped away from the doctrine of sin or the doctrine of evil. Let me say this, sin came into the world through Adam, but evil came into the world through Lucifer. Lucifer's rebellion, he, he didn't leave heaven. He, he didn't walk in and say, I'm leaving, turn around every now and then. That's not what happened. That, now that, I know that happens in Twisted, but that's not what, what happens in heaven. Lucifer was cast out of heaven. So I cast you out of heaven. The Bible says with his tail, he swept one third of the, he had already infected one third of the angels and he was cast into the earth. He was cast into the tohu bohu and then God creates a beautiful paradise on earth. And the Bible says, and then the Lord planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And then out of man's side, he brings the woman. And they're in a beautiful little paradise. It's just, a, it's just a, if this is the earth, if this is the earth, there's a tiny little speck eastward in Eden. There's a tiny little, and, and where, 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 do we find, where do we find Satan? Where do we find Lucy? Not, not in, I mean, why not just be in Positano? I just got back from Positano. It's beautiful. Al dente. Al muro. I mean, just go, go to Positano. Positano, have gelato. But no, no, no. He's not happy to be in Amalfi. He's not happy to be in Positano. He's not happy. No, no. He, all of a sudden we find, we, we, we find him in the garden. We, we find him in the garden possessing something that God had created that Adam had just named. So it's all familiar to them. Because let me just say this, this is what most people do not rec realize or recognize, is that evil is, can never be content. It, it isn't content with just existing. It BSs you saying it just wants coexistence. Coexist. It doesn't want coexist. It uses, coexist is its Trojan horse to dominate and enslave. The serpent didn't want to coexist. It wanted to ruin. Evil is, is, is restless. It has to defile. It has to destroy. It has to pollute. It has to. And this is how you recognize evil. It always attacks God's word. It always, it, has God really said? E evil, evil ruins everything it touches. When we first moved here in 2005, I took my wife to San Francisco. You know, we, we saw, are you going to San Francisco? You know, it's beautiful. And we went to the Golden Gate Bridge and we had dinner on this beautiful kind of seafood and steak place right on the wharf there. It was just, it was just stunning. 
you know, we're looking at the lights and the harbour and we're like, my God, it's one of the most beautiful places in the world. I went there last year. Oh, dear goodness. That they have completely destroyed a city with, its, with their godlessness. And you'll always notice the absence of God because it returns to chaos and disorder. Chaos and disorder, then God said, and order come. If you remove God's Word, everything goes back to chaos and disorder. You look at any city where there's chaos, high crime disorder, you'll notice one indistinguishable attribute, and that is they've removed the Word of God. They've banned the Bible from schools. They've banned the Bible from the courtrooms. They've banned the Bible from public assembly. They've gotten rid of it. But wherever the Word of God is preached, life comes. The signature of God, the watermark of God is life, order, where there's been chaos and death. Now, let me say this, that, that evil is not content to coexist. Jesus walks into the temple and He's teaching. He's just teaching in the temple. But a man with an unclean spirit says, leave us alone. What are we to do with you, Jesus? No, you don't. Like, well, there's a bit of nine on the tension scale there, Rube. It, because it, it doesn't want to coexist. And can I tell you, that guy was tormented. That unclean spirit was never producing anything good. Evil always looks to perch itself in places of power. I don't like awake in church. You guys are way too political. Can I tell you, we're not political, we're just biblical. And if you think, oh, you're engaged in politics, we're engaged in governance, which the Bible talks about. It just so happens that the world makes political what the Bible talks about governing. So let me just say this, that our assignment in Salt Lake City, our assignment in San Diego is you better believe it. The Bible says when, when uh, the... By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted. The Bible says when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked rule, the people groan. We recognise that while we were enjoying the beaches, the hiking trails, the Yosemite, the the beautiful national parks, the the mountains, while we're enjoying the hiking and the snow and the skiing and the Great Lakes and everything that's in California, while we're enjoying the gold of California, the wicked... We're we're coveting seats of authority and seats of power because they 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 are not they they don't while you sleep they don't sleep the Bible says the wicked don't sleep until they've done evil and and if you're happy they're miserable and because they're miserable they hate happy people. I remember when when they first allowed us to go back to indoor dining last year back to indoor dining. We were just sitting there in Peshera Mio and we just, you know, had our family around. There were six of us and, you know, Leanne and I kind of toasted wine glasses and it was, it was awesome. Well, this, this, this lady walks up and she just loses, just starts manifesting. And just does. And so she's calling the police. And so the manager comes out and says, oh, my God, what do I do? There's a lady. She called the police. Ah, oh, you know, mamma mia. Well, if you're, if you're so disturbed, darling, stay home. It's not like you couldn't order online. It's not like there's, you know, there's no Uber Eats. But, but DoorDash, but, but, but you'll notice it's, it's, not about, it's not about safe. It's about I have no friends. My life is miserable and I will make sure that no one else is having 
So I'm, I'm not sure if you're aware of it, but the, the, there's, uh, there's a wicked agenda called the Great Reset. The Great Reset, where you'll own nothing but be very happy. Uh, yeah, and you will own nothing and you'll be very happy. <laughs> As I said, or you'll be shot. <laughs> you know, I'm happy, I'm happy. You know, can I just tell you, the Bible, important to read, says that the, the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. So somebody's got to own all this stuff. If you don't own it, who does own it? Oh, BlackRock. Oh, World Economic Forum. You want to own all the stuff because whoever owns all the stuff, they're rich. That's what rich means. And the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. So you'll be the servant and you'll be ruled over. And these people... Oh, no, but you can trust them, Yerg, you're a conspiracy theorist. You can trust them. Why don't you trust the government? Human history. Let me, let me help you then with this one. If you've got to weaponize a virus in a lab and then release it onto the world and then force a vaccination that doesn't protect, that doesn't stop the spread, Biden just got it a second time. Fauci got it. Finally, COVID met its maker. Fauci got it. May, may I suggest that the people that want to release a virus and then make sure they get rid of ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, confession, we were crossing the border into Mexico and getting our hands on as much ivermectin, as much hydroxychloroquine as we can, because I was, as the shepherd of this congregation, determined to save lives. 97% of people that died of COVID died in the ICU and were put on remdesivir. If you study remdesivir, it has zero protection against COVID, but make sure that it actually shuts down all your internal organs. Every single person that we had rushed to the ICU that was put on remdesivir, we immediately got in there and gave them either ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. In fact, both of those things shut down. They combat the coronavirus, but because Bill Gates and Fauci were making money because they had massive patents in it. That was the, the, the only drug that you were uh, availed of. May I just suggest to you that people that do this don't have your best interest. The people that have been behind the 97 food production plants in America that have just blown up coincidentally, had drones fly, caught fire in the middle of the night and been destroyed. And whoa, who's buying up all the farmland? None other than William Gates, who two years ago got the smallpox patent. Wow, you might be a clairvoyant. How did you know smallpox, smallpox and monkeypox was coming? <laughs> Cut those little tea leaves. May I just say to you that these people do not care about you. If you have to starve people, Joseph Stalin starved five million Ukrainians to bring in, bring in what he called a utopia, we call it a dystopia of communism. When you have to starve people to bring in your brilliant economic idea, Sri Lanka right now is in turmoil, but the World Economic Forum's financial policies and green policies, 
the, the president of Sri Lanka said, we will be by, by 2025, we will be the hallmark and the benchmark because we're taking every single policy of the world economic, and it is chaos and disorder there. But they, it hasn't stopped the World Economic Forum. We don't see them apologizing and Klaus Schwab backing off. There is evil. So let me just tell you this. The reason I won't shut up, the reason I'll continue to speak up and step up is because my job is to detect evil, recognize that evil is not content to coexist. It wants to dominate and enslave. And our job is to drive it out. If heaven casts it out to earth, you better believe we're casting it out of San Diego. We're casting it out of Salt Lake City. We're going to replace every evil county supervisor and every evil governor and every evil, you know, uh, school board director. We're going to drive them out. We're going to put righteous people, holy people, godly people. We're going to make San Diego the most livable, the most family friendly, the most godly, the most prosperous, the most flourishing, the most friendly to marriage, friendly to relationship city. In, in all of the United States of America, we drive out evil because evil won't leave all by itself. Last point, point number three. Point number three is God's watermark is life. God's watermark is life. We, we, we celebrated Roe v. Wade. When Roe v. Wade was overturned, June 24, 2022, we celebrated. It was maybe two or three days later, uh, Pastor Morgan Irvin sent me the most amazing text. He says, Pastor, I just did, a, did a, a study. Have you looked at this? Have you looked at these numbers? I said, no. He said, Roe v. Wade was first enacted on January 22, 1973. January 22, 1973. Exactly 49 years later, 49 years later is 2022. The Bible says something about that. The Bible says that, that there's, there's what they call the year of Jubilee. The year of Jubilee happens when there are seven cycles of seven. Seven means season or, or complete season, perfect season. So God says there's gonna be seven cycles of seven to close that. And then the next year, after the seven sevens, after 49 years, the trumpets will sound and you're gonna go into a year of Jubilee, a year of debts being canceled, a year of curses being reversed, a year of property going back to its original owners, a year where slaves are set free, a year where death and curse is turned to life and blessing. He said, but what was incredible is that that happened in January, 2022 of uh, January 22 of 2022 was the 49 years he said but it was exactly 153 days later now I remember reading 153 153 153 is in John 21 11 in John 21 11 remember the resurrected Jesus is walking on the beach and like we show in hero Peter says I'm going fishing how can you go fishing at a time like this maybe if you care you know Hero, and so beat, they've been fishing all night, caught nothing. Jesus is on the shore, and he says, Children, have you caught anything? Nothing. Throw your net on the other side. They catch all the fish. John goes, Oh my gosh, it's the Lord. You know, and so they drag the, 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 the net with the fish, and they count 153 fish. And then the next verse says, And no one dared ask him who he was. You're like, Okay, weird. It's a bit weird. You count the fish, 153, and no one dared ask him who he was because the two are correlated. Because in the Hebrew, every letter has a numerical value. When you put the numerical value 
of letters together, you, 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 you get a phrase or you get a declaration. And 153 in Hebrew is the Hebrew Ani Adonai or I am God. So when we look, when we look at, at what just happened, we see the watermark of a God that has not forsaken America. A God that for 49 years people were praying, but God knew that there will be seven years, seven cycles of seven years, 49 years, and the evil. Did you know 63 million babies were aborted? 43% of those babies were African-American. Margaret Sanger, who started Planned Parenthood, strategically planted Planned Parenthood into areas where she said she wanted to eradicate the lesser races is what she called. The craziest thing is, if you mention this, the people who vote left scream the loudest. May I just give you another clue? If, if your party is racist, 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 ra ra racist, Donald Trump's a racist, DeSantis, racist, uh, 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 Pastor Jurgen, racist. It, it, may I just say to you that they're just self-identifying. It's a little bit like the person who goes to the doctor and the doctor's like, you know, what's wrong? Pain, pain. Well, what do you mean? Well, when I touch you, oh. And 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 the doctor says, oh, it's simple. You've got a broken finger. <laughs> when people are like racist, racist, ra listen, but don't look in the direction they're pointing. Go to the origin. They're literally self-identifying racist, racist, racist. The party that is pointing out racism is the most right. They're the ones who support it. They're the ones who fight for. They're the ones who oppress. So God says, enough is enough. 49 years, it is over. And I'm gonna put my signature on it. It's not 150 days. It's not 152 days. It's not 155 days. It'll be exactly 153 days because I am God. And this, the, the watermark of God is life where there was death. But do you know what time? Do you know what time they issued it? 10.10. I was in Washington DC last week and, and a congressman came up to me and said, oh, do you know what time it was, it was decreed as an end to Roe v. Wade? I said, no, at 10.10 in the morning. Do you know what John 10.10 says? John 10, no coincidences, people. John 10.10 says the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. Do you know how many, how many incredible athletes, how many geniuses, how many Martin Luthers, we don't know, were stolen, killed? How many legacies were destroyed because of Roe v. Wade, because of Planned Parenthood strategically? How many deliverers, how many amazing human beings never saw the light of day because they were slaughtered in the womb. The devil comes to steal, kill and destroy. But watch what Jesus says, John 10, 10. But I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. There's no coincidences, friend. God has got His watermark. God loves America. 
God loves America. He loves you. He loves San Diego. He's looking for a believing people. Come on, let's stand to our feet. We're out of time. Just lift your hands high to heaven. Say these words. Say, Heavenly Father. Say, I want to thank You. You so love me. You sent Jesus to die on the cross to break the power of sin over my life. Heavenly Father, today I ask You to fill me with Your Holy Spirit. Now I want you to get a little bit indignant and say, Devil, in the Name of Jesus, I declare Your time in my life is up. Get out in Jesus' Name. Amen. Amen. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.